You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer and you want to be an innovator. Okay. Reinvent yourself, especially in these hard times. Maybe you're out of work. Reinvent yourself. What can you do to make something better? It could be simple. Mm. What can you do to make it better? Okay. And provide a benefit. Got if it, it can provide a benefit and you can make it better, you're in. Anybody well, has are- that capability. Hey, entrepreneurs, are you going full speed just trying to keep up? Do you feel you have more losses than wins? For years, I was rushing to get to the next thing. There was always something that I had to learn before the thing I actually needed to learn. I felt like I was running in the wrong direction and moving even further away from my goals. So the big question is, how do you stop the craziness? How do you get to your next win? Well, this podcast will give you the answer. Join me on my journey as we have real conversations about struggles, successes, and tips so we can get you quicker, faster results, no fluff, and get you to your next win now. Hey guys, I would love to connect with you personally on Clubhouse. Reach out. I'm new there myself. You could probably show me some tricks of the trade. Let's connect on Clubhouse. Hey listeners, if you're just jumping in here right now, please note that this is part two of a podcast. We have the fabulous Ron Klein. You may not have heard of him, but you have used things he invented like every day, like the strip on the back of the credit card, like MLS when you're looking for a house, like all these things. He is a fantastic human being. He is like, I don't know, something like 88 years young or something and still inventing today unbelievable things that you'll hear in this podcast. But make sure you go back and grab the first part. He just had so many stories to tell us. And as he said, Hey, people want to talk to Einstein. He's here. So he wanted to share with him, share with us. And I certainly didn't want to interrupt him. I needed draftsmen to lay circuit card formats out. Then I needed manufacturing people to put the components on the boards. And it was growing so fast. I needed money because I was getting so many orders, but I had no money to buy material and pay the people. So I went to investors and I said, I need help. Well, I was able to raise three quarters of a million dollars in the late 60s, um, which was equivalent, I guess, to millions today to really get started. And the company continued to grow. And after a while, it was growing so rapidly. Guess what? I needed more money. I didn't Mm. have enough money to fill the orders. So I went back to my investors and I said, what do I do now? They said, well, Let's have an IPO. Let's take it public. I had no idea what a public, what he meant by public. I said, public, is that what those little stalls outside of construction sites? Where we can go? <laughs> oh, okay. He said, no, we're going to go on the stock market. We're going to go public. Oh. An initial private placement. So I went to the library and I got myself a book on the 1934 Securities Act. And I learned everything about registration, prospectuses, and so on. And I was the sharpest guy in S1, S2 registrations. We put the, get the company together, took it public. I raised another couple of million dollars and I was happy. Around that time, we became extremely attractive to a major insurance company that said, we like what this young guy's doing. We want to acquire him. So, and I figured, okay, maybe it's time to retire. I was 34 years old, it was retirement time, right? So I was bought out 
And three days later, after I did all the fishing I wanted to fish, I went nuts. <laughs> I said, I got to go to work. I said, this is not for me. I'm not, you know, I'm not used to sitting on my duff. I work a minimum of 18 hours a day. I went back to him. I said, I'm going to give you back all your stock options. Just let me free out of my contract. I want to go to work. Had no idea as to what I wanted to do. All I knew was I didn't want another 125 employees. I wanted mm. something that would generate residual income. Okay. So I figured, well, until I can come up with a good idea, I'm going to start selling or representing other people's products. And I was really sharp in communications and teletypes. So I started selling communication modems for to connect to computers. And one day I was calling on a major client that I used to deal with who was in the communications business who used loads of communication gear. And while I was sitting at his desk, I saw a bid sheet on his desk. And that's when my whole career changed. And I said, what is this? And he said, oh, that's a bid sheet from the Western Union Company. They refurbish teletype equipment every week and sell it refurbished to the communication industry. And he said, you know, we're in the news business. It was a big company in the news business. And he said, we use tons and tons of teletypes. But he says, we're so overstocked now. He said, would you like the bid sheet? And I said, why not? Sounds interesting. I took the bid sheet. I rented a truck and I went to a warehouse where Western Union did all this refurbishing, which was 60 miles from my house in New Jersey. And I went there and I was so excited. They said, you came at such an opportune time. We're putting up 12,000 of old, old teletypes that were used during the Second World War. They were on battleships. They're great. We're refurbishing some of them. And they're fantastic. We got 12,000 of them. Do you want to bid on them? And I figured, ah, I have no idea what to do. I bid pennies, pennies on the dollar. And I was so excited. I went back the following week and they said, guess what, Mr. Klein? You won all 12,000 teletypes. Oh, yeah. I was so excited. But you know what I did, Chris? What? I bought myself the worst liability I could ever buy. I never, I never asked where they were. Oh. How dumb oh. is that? Okay. <laughs> Fortunately, 4,000 were in a warehouse close to where Western Union was. The other 8,000 were all over the country. Oh. They were in Dallas. They were in California. They were in Chicago. And the Western Union said, now you understand, Mr. Klein, you have to take possession of these in 30 days. Mm. I figured, Holy Moses, what do I do now? These weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds, loaded steel cabinets with printers and keyboards and so on and so forth. What do I do? So I didn't buy myself teletypes. I bought the worst liability I could ever buy at, at a young age. So what do you do? I what don't do you do? know. You call the junk man. I call ah, the junk man. <laughs> I said, okay. I need help. I'm painting it a different color. And he said, well, let's see what you have here, son. Yeah. So he said, you know, you got printers and keyboards and paper tape punches and so on. He said, let's look in the bottom portion of these machines. That's where the electronics is. And he opened them up. They were loaded with printed circuit cards. Okay. And he said, wow. And I said, what's the wow for? He said, these printed circuit cards are loaded with 
gold traces because they were used out at sea and they didn't want them to trust the rust and they had the best conductivity. And gold was cheap then, it was only $35 an ounce and it gave excellent conductivity for all the circuits. And he said, guess what? He said, I can take all these circuit cards from all 8,000 machines. There were hundreds and hundreds of them. He said, if I put them into a cyanide bath, the cyanide eats the gold off the cards and surfaces to the top, will skim the gold off and split the assay. I said, fantastic. Oh. We were fat in cash. Oh. We made so much cash with all that gold. But guess what, Chris? What? Now, now I had 8,000 pieces of real junk because they had they weren't working. They had no electronics. Mm. We you know, salvaged all the gold. What did I do? I called the junk man back. Right. Said, now what do I do? I said, I'm running out of time. I've got to get rid of these things. He said, well, let's see what we have. And he analyzed it, that the cabinets, because they were used out at sea, were very, they were loaded with chromium in the steel because mm. chromium prevents rusting. And he said, there's a foreign car automobile dealer now that's bringing and introducing their new cars into the US and they're having a serious rust problem with their cars. They need chromium in all their steel. He said, let me contact them. I'm sure they'll put all of this stuff on the ships, take it back to Japan and we're unloaded. And that's what they did, and boom. So that is the most like, craziest example I've ever heard in my life of taking lemon and making like fruit salad, lemonade, and a main meal out of it. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like, but Chris, that's where it just starts. But oh so my. now I was in business, okay? I had 4,000 okay. machines back in Cherry, uh, near Cherry Hill, New Jersey, where I lived. Okay. And they, they were uh, 60 miles from my home. And I hired a technician and I figured, let's go over some of these machines, make sure they're in good working condition or refurbish them, repaint them and sell them to the giants in the communications business. Now, some of these machines are worth two, $3,000, $4,000 new. I figured, wow, what a great business. Or I can just lease them, put them out on lease to these companies because I own them for nothing. Great business. I got started. Three months later, I got a phone call. Hello. The New York Stock Exchange is calling me. And they oh. said, we went to Western Union because they had 273 special wall mount teletypes that we use at the New York Stock Exchange trading floor as inquiry stations. And they said, we sold them all to a little company in New Jersey. Now, who the hell are you guys? <laughs> and I said, oh, well, I'm interested in doing business. And they said, will you sell us those machines? And I said, I got a better deal. I'll lease them to you on a full payout lease that you'll own them after two years at X number of dollars a machine. I'll come to the New York Stock Exchange with a technician, mount them on the walls and fix them, providing you give me a maintenance contract a maintenance contract for life to maintain these machines as long as they're on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. They said, absolutely, we don't want to maintain them. I hired a tech. I was on a journey every day from my house 
to the New York Stock Exchange, walking around the trading floor like a big deal, making sure that every machine worked. If they would fail, we'd replace it with a spare printer. They would put that printer in my car. I'd take it back to my little shop in New Jersey. We would repair it and back again. I was in business. I was oh in my. the maintenance business at the New York Stock Exchange. I was in heaven and making a lot of money on maintenance contract. Wow. While I was there, I noticed that at the New York Stock Exchange, every day, at the end of the day, there was paper up to your knees in cards and paper all over the floor. It was it traded like in, in antiques. I mean, it was so old the way they traded. They had no electronics, no automation. Everything was little printed circuit cards or little printed cards, and they would mark them up and file them and take them to the booths and trade. Everything was paper. I looked around, I said, I can automate so much. I went to the management of the exchange and I said, I can fix this, I can fix that. I came up with program trading. I said, it was so easy. I'll do this, I'll do that. And I can do it in a matter of a couple months. I'll hire a few guys and we'll do it and try it out. And if it works, super. They said, wonderful. They thought I was IBM. I mean, uh -huh. I would get stuff running so quick. It was great. We started doing a lot of business there and I had a software engineer and a technician. Then my career started. Okay. Remember, all this came about by reading a little bid sheet on a guy's desk. Okay. Smart, daring, and different. Opportunity. What's the given? What am I looking for? So you don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. You have to pay attention, listen to everybody, and pay attention. So here I am. It's now up to 1983 because I'm at the New York Stock Exchange every day. I started there in 79. 1983, I go to the bond trading floor. So the New York Stock Exchange has two things. They trade equities or stocks and they trade debt, corporate bonds. Corporate bonds is the debt on the stock. The stock market or the stock market was all automated. They had terminals in the upstairs offices and they would trade, the brokers would trade on the terminals. I go to the bond trading floor and they're throwing their hands up and they're on the phone and they're shouting. And I said, what are these people doing? It's an auction market. They auction this every day. And I said, why in the world are they doing that? We can automate this so easily. And they said, Ron, they've been doing it like this for 205 years, they're not going to change. I said, listen, I got a simple method. If I can automate this thing, would you give me an exclusive license to disseminate corporate bonds all over Wall Street to all the member companies? They said, sure, you write up the contract. It'll never work because they're never going to change. <laughs> I built a little box. I put it on their main line with a video terminal and I would program in the bonds that I, I assumed I was a trader. I would program in the bonds I was interested in as those bonds would come down the little box. It would filter them out, pop them up on a screen. Boom, I could trade them right away. It worked beautiful. I started calling up every bond trader. There were 1,500 bond traders that traded New York corporate listed bonds. And I started calling them up all over Wall Street. And if I wasn't buying or selling a bond in five seconds, clunk, they hang up on me. Oh my, okay. God. How am I gonna, what am I gonna do? How do I, I got this great little product. 
Nobody's interested. Right. So I befriended the largest bond house on Wall Street with the major um, manager. And I said, listen, Joe, I got something I want to give you for 30 days free. I'm going to run a communication line into your office from the New York Stock Exchange. I'll pay for the line. I'll give you the boxes. I'll give you the video terminal. Just keep it for 30 days free. Try and trade bonds here. See what you can do. Well, he was getting the information milliseconds before it hit the floor because they're on the phone and they're shouting. His, this is coming right across the line as it happens. Oh. He had it right on the screen. Right. His phone rang off the hook. All the traders are calling him saying, what the heck are you doing? For the last two weeks, we can't top. You're topping every bond there. We can't buy or sell a bond. He said, oh, you need one of those little Ron Klein boxes. Ah. Said, what the heck is a Ron Klein box? They start calling me. My phone rang off the hook. Within three months, they're saying, we, got, we need a box. And I said, okay, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity, Ron. There's a gift behind every challenge. I said, well, to join my buying club, every trader has to pay me $10,000. They said, wow, but okay, we can probably make that back in a month or two. So every trader on Wall Street had to pay me $10,000 to join my club. And I said, okay, now all you have to do is just buy the little box in the video terminal and you're in business. And they said, oh no, on Wall Street, we don't buy anything. We only rent equipment. Uh, oh, what do I do? Well, the box cost me $100 to build. And the terminal cost me 50 bucks. I said, how's $300 a month? Fantastic. <laughs> Great. It was in for a quarter of a century. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Now, you don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. Where did all this come from? I read a little bid sheet on the guy's desk. A little bid sheet. Oh, my gosh. You should say children's stories. The tale of the little bid sheet. I saw a bid on a desk and this is the tale. But <laughs> it's a six part series. Me, and I made the biggest mistake by buying all those teletypes because yeah. what, if I didn't get rid of them, what was I going to do? Yeah. And I got all my cash back. Who knew to, that put, did you know that if you take gold traces and put it in the cyanide, it eats the gold salts up and it rises to the surface of the cyanide? Then you I didn't even know. I didn't even know enough to ask that question. That's what I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. All I knew was the, the junk man's telephone number. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, oh my heavens! It's a matter of looking at every problem as a situation mm. and say, "Is the, does this situation contain a challenge? Right? If it contains a challenge. What do I do? I find that gift behind the challenge because mm. I'm smart." daring and different and you're still going my friend as i say you're 86 years young you're working on projects as we speak right this moment well uh, you want to take a, a rest and then i'll tell you the rest of the story <laughs> okay go ahead i'm good tell me <laughs> okay um about four four and a half years ago okay um, i have a friend who's totally blind and by the way, I have a little impediment myself. No big deal, but I fit it in. I'm totally blind in one eye and I got okay. about 50% vision in the other eye. Mm. But I fit it in. 
it works, you know, I find other ways to, to get around it. So I was having breakfast with this blind gentleman who's brilliant, PhD, was a VP with a very large company. And I said, Jim, what's on your wish list? And he said, you know, Ron, we're both pretty smart guys. We're very inventive, we're creative. He said, I'd like a simple little device that I can help, that would help me identify the things I come in contact with in my daily life. My stuff in my pantry, what's in my medicine cabinet and my clothes, what's on the hanger? Where's my blue shirt? Where's my yellow shirt? And I said, let me think about that a little bit. And it was right around that time I was learning all about QR codes. Mm. I took the QR codes and did some special things with them that I made little adhesive labels, put it in a little tiny book that I could sell for just almost at cost, very inexpensive, $29. And you get a hundred labels. And I built an app free that they could take their electronic leash you know what the electronic yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The phone, the cell phone, everybody. Yeah. And I gave them a free app that automatically they would scan this little QR code and they can record on that QR code mm. what the device is. In other words, when they brought peanut butter home, oh. peanut butter. when they would put their blood pressure medication in the, in the uh, medicine cabinet, they could distinguish that between their aspirins. And oh they could gosh. change it anytime. It was totally programmable. And they came up with so many wonderful ideas. And it went gangbusters. Because there's 240 million people in the world that are blind. Yeah. 42 million people just here in the U.S. that are blind. It was a great godsend. I mean, it was terrific. It cost, what blind person wouldn't invest $29 to get some labor oh. made for this? So I figured, you know what? great idea but what about the sighted if i had such a great idea with this little code what can i do for the sighted world right and then it started and i came up with something that's revolutionizing today in fact you may have heard about it already i'm using qr codes which is nothing more than a link that can be adhered to any kind of surface in other words you can put a qr code in your computer you can put it on a the screen but you can also put it on a piece of paper and scan it and it'll do something okay. and i said okay why don't i make the qr code the front door to your so-called house okay and your house is the cloud or your house is some online real-time system and the qr code never changes it's just the front door to your house and you want to change all the content that you want to show me in your house in real estate, on products, on your grocery store shelves. I want to know all about the product, who makes it, natural product, uh, you know, um, supplements and so on and so forth. But I don't want to touch it, especially during this virus. I want to walk mm. in with my phone, go into a Whole Foods or a Fresh mm. Time market and say, okay, what's that product? What's that product? What's that going to do for me? And give them all kinds of information and history uh. on it. Okay. okay. And as I, and as that data is updated, I update it in real time, but the code never changes. Mm. Let's say I do that on real estate signs. Every real estate sign tells uh. me all about that house. When we sell that house, we, we, we keep the code the same, put new contents behind it. How about if I have magazines, whether they be digital 
or whether they be analog or hard copy. And I put a nice ad in there that I spent thousands of dollars for, but now I put a little QR code in the bottom of that ad, but it's really an Eli code that makes the ad come alive and takes me to all kinds of things. I see a Ferrari car and I say, wow, that is cool. Now I scan the little QR code. Now the Ferrari card, I hear it start up. I see a nice blonde get in the car. <laughs> Her hair is blowing through the breeze. Or let's say there's a product on the ad, pens, pencils, anything. And I say, I scan it. I like the ad. And now when I scan it, I see all about that product, description, the background. And then I see a little tag that says, buy now. I can buy it right there. It's e oh my! I can turn anything in e-commerce. So I'm just throwing out a few of the ideas that we've captured. Yeah, yeah. And we've got over a hundred thousand products on it already, and it's going gangbusters. Because here's the way I define it: the QR code is the front door to my app that you don't have to download. Mm, mm. My system which is so involved in so much flexibility in real time, I say it's an app because it's an application, whether it be real estate or mm. shelf items or whatever. So my QR code is the front door to your house and it takes you where I want you to go. Who needs websites anymore? Who needs right. websites? And all you do is just copy and paste. My, oh my gosh, you know what? So that's, you have, that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> that's what he's doing now. That's what he's doing now in his retirement that lasted three days when he was in his 30s. Mr. Ron Klein, you have just bestowed upon us wisdom that we will all carry forever. What what an honor, what a treat, what what an encyclopedia of brilliance and, and taking us on this absolute magical journey. I cannot possibly thank you enough i i could talk to you all days or at least a couple of times on sundays <laughs> here's what i want to tell your audience okay you don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer okay okay and you want to be an innovator okay reinvent yourself especially in these hard times maybe you're out of work reinvent yourself what can you do to make something better it could be simple hmm. what can you do to make it better okay and provide a benefit if it can provide a benefit and you can make it better, you're in. Anybody well, has are, the capability. Those are beautiful closing words. I, I cannot thank you enough. We're all going to, everybody write that down. Pull over right now if you're driving. Write down the, the wise words of Mr. Ron Klein. And we thank you so much from every moment of every second of this. It, it's been a magical journey. Win the hour, win the day. Thanks you incredibly. Thanks for having me on. And I did. I, I ran my mouth for 45 minutes. I'm sorry. I knew that you were really good for a half hour, but I, I didn't stop talking. You know what? And the joy and the, it was all our pleasure. We are thrilled. We are thrilled. Not a, I'm thrilled. You were generous with your time. And I thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And congratulations to what you're doing. Remember, Thanks. audience, smart, daring, and different. You made a mistake the first time, painted a new color. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, guys, don't miss out. Hop on over to free gift 
fromchris.com. That's free gift, G-I-F-T, from Chris, K-R-I-S, dot com. We are constantly putting goodies in there just for you guys so that you can have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it.